Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Don't Be a Drag. My name is Patrick and I am one of your hosts. And today we have a very special surprise for you. Our co-host is back. I'm back. It's Vandy. <laughs> I'm back. Get these it's cookies. Been a I don't have cookies. Long, sorry. A few weeks. A month. I don't even know the last time we recorded a video. <laughs> or, uh, uh, recorded a podcast. I think it, this is your first time since we brought the podcast like back podcast form. But I think the last one you were on was like in March. March. It's been April. forever. Yeah, it was before the last week of school because we were both busy. But we're super excited that we're both back. We have just figured out how to record through Skype because we're slow pokes and it takes us forever to learn things. But before we get into this week's guest, I think it's mm-hmm. yeah, that works. We wanted to talk about some of the news that's been going on in the LGBT community and the drag community because there has been a few things that have happened. And not everybody's happy about it. First off, I want to give the cool fun announcement because we have the cast list of Camp Wanakiki Season 2. It has been officially released and is set to start, I think, next week or the week after. Uh, This week, they're going to be doing special videos with all the different castmates and talking about who they are, where they're from, all that fun jazz. But we wanted to go ahead and give you guys the list of all of the competitors who are going to be on this season, which I know I'm super excited because I knew a few of them beforehand, so I can say I knew people before they were famous. I'm super excited about that. (laughs) But um, here is the list of the campers for season two. We have Coco Gem Holiday. We have Ruthie Keister, Kit Epiphany, apparently, um, Ivana or Yeah, Riggi, uh Diana Fire, Paris Rowe, Barbara Wire, Vivica Galactica, Debbie Fox, Tori Hyman, and then Carly, I can't pronounce her last name. I think it's, sorry if you're listening and I butcher this, uh, Un-N-M-Clite? I think that's how you say it. If it's not pronounced that way, just let me know and I'll fix it. Um, and then we actually have a very special twist this season for season two they're bringing on their first drag king and their name is boris tudith they're going to be doing all types of awesome videos this week on who they are and where they're from and all that stuff but we're super excited it looks like an amazing cast list and i'm also kind of just still excited the fact that i know a lot of these people it's first time with a show that i can actually say that but yeah so mason what do you think I'm excited. I will admit I need to go back and watch that because I haven't. I heard about it a while back and just never checked it out because I've been so busy and stuff. But I want to watch it. I like finding alternative shows to Drag Race because, you know, not all drag is Drag Race. So, like, Dragula, I watched that one. Can't wait for season three whenever they announce the final release date. And I'm excited to go back and watch Camp on Kiki and then watch the new season. I guess I can't lie. I haven't fully finished season one yet, but I have seen a lot of it. Wow. See, you're a fake fan too. Gosh. I'm still learning and growing and making friendships along the way. But anyways, we are super excited to see who is going to take home all the badges this season. And special announcement. I've announced it on the page, but I don't think we've said it on here. We are actually going to be interviewing one of the campers this week 
actually in just a little bit in the episode that we're currently on. Uh, Miss Diana Fire from Portland, Oregon is going to be coming on and talking about their drag as well as kind of just their journey, how they first got started, and also working with the deaf community as a drag performer. So it's going to be really excited. Make sure to stay tuned in just a little bit after we finish talking. Uh, She's going to come on and talk with me a little bit about all that stuff. So it's going to be really great, super exciting. But moving on into our next topic, Mason, what else has been happening in the drag verse? So as most of y'all know, people love to recruit Rue girls to, you know, perform and do different things. Well, the biggest thing as of late was Taylor Swift's new music video for, I actually can't remember the name because I'm the worst. You need, to, you need to calm down? Yeah. Okay, I can't remember if it was you need to or just calm down. But she recruited a whole slew of Rue girls and a non-Rue girl to perform in this video. And they were all kind of doing their own allusions to uh, famous pop stars of the moment. So if you watch Taylor's new video, when you watch it, you'll see in a segment that she has Tatiana from season two as Ariana Grande, Trinity the Tuck from season nine and the... uh, don't want to spoil that. I guess it's not a spoiler. I don't know. All Stars 4 winner, nah. Trinity the Chuck, as Lady Gaga. Delta Work from Season 3 as Adele. Trinity K. Bonet from Season 6 as Cardi B. Jay Jolie, was she Season 5? Season 5, yeah. Okay, Jay Jolie from Season 5 as Taylor Swift. Riley Knox, who is actually not a rude girl as Beyonce, but man, she looked amazing. Um, Adore Delano doing her Katy Perry illusion. And then Akira C. Davenport from Season 10 as Nicki Minaj. Season 11. Ah, season 11. (laughs) Dang it. And I forgot to say Adora from season 6. But, you know, whatever. I'm doing my best. We're so close. close. I'm like that article. Wow, getting all the wrong facts. (laughs) Now, a lot of people have been not too happy about this song. And not just the song, but the video, too. Personally, I... I enjoyed the song. It wasn't my favorite Taylor Swift song, but no. I do like it. I thought it was catchy, and it's very her. Have you heard some of the stuff that's been going on and why people are so upset about it? Well, I feel like a lot of people are think she's kind of pandering since it's Pride Month and it's like a gay, uh, supposed to be a gay anthem, and she threw a bajillion different gay icons into the video. I think that people just want... People think she's throwing her allyship way out there into the world for like views and to make money off of it. Cause I mean, it is pride month when she's doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if she had released a song mid August and did this video, people would be like, Oh my God, look at the representation. That's so cool. She's such an ally. But I think since it is pride month, it's the same thing as when you see corporations putting rainbows on everything. People are like, Oh, they're just pandering. They just want our money. They just want blah, 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 blah. I see it as, I mean, she's huge. It's Taylor Swift to put Mm -hmm. so many gay icons and drag queens and just people in that video. It's a step forward. It's representation. It's doing good. Not to mention at the end of the video, she's like, please go sign my thing. She's trying to like bring active change. She has like a petition or something like that going like towards the Tennessee legislature that's huge. Actually, um, this video is for the National Equality Act. Yeah, that's what it was. 
And, like, she has even, like, recently made huge donations to GLAD. Like, she's been an ally for the longest time. Her literal best friend is Todrick Hall. Like, yeah. A and huge which, that's what I think a lot of this video was put together, not just by her, but also by Todrick. And if you watch the video, you can really see some of his um, influence on it. Yeah, and his staples that he normally puts into his own videos. Also, yeah. he has connections with these girls. That's probably how a lot of them got on here is because he's worked with them. And on and, RuPaul and everything. Yeah. And so I don't think this was fully her. I think she was trying to make a statement for Pride. And then Patrick was like, we're going to gay it up, honey. <laughs> and she's just like, okay. But, but in the end, I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah, a lot of people are claiming that she's never really truly been an ally. She's just coming out now. But I've been noticing this for the last few years that she has been like slowly and more and more started getting into it. And I will say, yes, one, that's because it's becoming more acceptable. But at the same time, some celebrities have to be careful on what they're doing because one, they don't want to destroy their career. And I'm not saying that supporting us is destroying it, but like a lot of them are scared to step into a big platform like that but i think she's finally starting to come around and accept more and understand more because of people like todrick hall who are really close with her and are helping her see all this type of yeah. stuff yeah and she's made so many donations to like almost five hundred thousand dollars to yeah. lgbt charities as well as the legislature um the equality act she's trying to help get passed and then now she's also been working not only with the national government but with her state government as well with tennessee so like i don't think this is just something that's just happening now because it's pride but unfortunately a lot of people are going to think that and i think we're hitting her a little too hard yes should she have come out sooner i i think she should have come out and support a little bit sooner but yeah it's going to Yeah. And we've been complaining about how we need more bigger celebrity allies in our corner. And then now one is finally coming out and supporting. And people are like, meh. Yeah. But that just seems to be a lot of us in the LGBT community a lot of times that they've just been hit so hard so many times that they just they can't accept anyone. <sighs> but it's okay. She's going to keep doing amazing, and she's going to keep helping raising awareness for people, and hopefully other celebrities will start following suit and because of her, and hopefully we can get a lot of awesome legislature passed. But mm -hmm. I was about to bring up something else. <laughs> oh, I remember. So the third and other biggest thing that has come out recently in the last couple of weeks, I'm I glad. think it came out before our last episode but we hadn't really talked about it much yet so i'm gonna bring it up now is i think it was the new yorker that published a the bunch of magazine with the new york magazine yeah uh they published a bunch of pictures of different rue girls and they went to drag home when they did this so i think that's where they got all the rue girls from but yeah. um they did really close-up pictures of them and not all of them were the best. Like, it was part of the style of the photography they were doing, but some of them it was not the best, and I know a lot of the Rue girls were not happy. Yeah. I don't know if any of y'all have listened to one of the newer episodes of Race Chaser. It was Hot Goss episode part three. Yeah. Yeah. 
but they were talking about the whole situation because Willem didn't end up doing it. They asked Willem to do it, but he didn't. Uh, as he found out yeah. um, the photographer that was doing the pictures and they came up for a close-up on his face and he was like, uh, no ma'am. And, and something Alaska said was that they didn't tell them that they were going to be ranking the queens. Yeah, so they, just said that they were doing a story on queens. And yeah. so all of them were like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then they didn't tell them. And they also didn't tell them that they were doing the digital covers of each person either. Yeah. Yeah. Not the best idea. I don't know what the other magazine was, but um, Alaska didn't say it because she didn't want to give them any notice Willem or business. So. It once or twice by accident. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I guess the biggest thing from that is if you're going to talk to a queen or do something with a queen, be honest, be upfront, and oh, yeah. tell them everything. Otherwise, they're going to read you to filth. Well, Which, I mean, if they had come up on me and done that, I would have done the same thing. Right. So the thing is, like, at DragCon, these queens took their time to go back and do the photo shoot. The photo shoot with the photographer was Martin Schulber. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Yeah. And he's a really well-known photographer. He's done huge people like Ellen and all sorts of, like, people. But that's just his style of photography, that close-up, yeah. raw, unfiltered. And most of them are like, you know, they kind of knew what they signed up for once they saw he was all up in their face. Because even Willem was like, I'm not doing that. And yeah. Even if you listen to the podcast, Willem says some funny stuff about that. Oh, yeah. But then Alaska talks about how she did the article or agreed to like, do the interview for the article and didn't know they were going to be ranked. And that was garbage. And just that the people who did the article just did shady things to find out information and still – didn't have all the correct information and just did a really poorly done article. So definitely go check out Race Chaser if you are a podcast listener because they give all the hot tea and I side with them like completely on what they said about this. It was just not a good thing at all. I I feel kind of bad for the photographer though because I know he was trying to do like his style and what he always does. Yeah. And kind of wish they had focused more on what he was doing and giving like the raw emotional stories of these queens and their like hard work because i think yeah. those type of pictures with that type of story it would have been great would have been amazing it would but have hit paired, so differently yeah paired with such a poor article it, at that point all the photos just got ripped apart yeah and Which we're is so sad, used... a lot of them are actually really good yeah we're just so used to seeing like drag queens who have professional pictures done or even their own photos that they post and they retouch and they facetune. So they all look flawless, but that's not what you get when you go to a live drag show. I'm sorry. Yeah. Although suggestion to any kings or queens out there listening, if you have an opportunity to get photos done, whether it be with friends or a photographer, totally suggest going and getting photos because that just helps better you and your brand. Yeah, Go get photos, please. If, yep. If you're in Atlanta, hit up just Toby. He's a pretty awesome drag photographer. Shout yes. out to him. Love him. Also, the more professional photos, the more awesome stuff you can do. Like yeah. production and like marketing wise. So just suggest that we love you either way. Yeah. And a lot of times people like myself and Mason, if we're in your area and you need pictures, we'll probably take pictures of you because hey. one, we like taking pictures. And it's always just building our portfolio. So you can always find somebody. 
Yes, yes. Just DM me on Instagram. Anyways, um, I guess the last thing I'm going to talk about before we head into our interview, uh, since we were talking about Race Chaser and their podcast and some of the stuff they talked about, I kind of wanted to throw a shout out to all of the queens who have podcasts out there because thanks to you guys, that's why we do this is because we listen to you guys and it looks fun. So we tried it out. But um, there are several people. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. There are several people, both from RuPaul and outside of RuPaul, who do podcasts of their own. And a lot of them are really, really good. So I just want to give a shout out to all of those podcasts and the people that are working with them because it's amazing work and that's just helping the platform get bigger. So I want to say sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry <laughs> with Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. Monet they do an awesome little banter back and forth. Um, RuPaul, what's the tea um, with what Michelle Visage? Theirs is awesome because not only is it drag related, but it's also like pop culture and community related. So definitely check out that one. Um, Hello Uglies is a Dragula podcast, kind of like Race Chaser. Um, just different show. So Who definitely does check that, that one. Um, here, let me pull it up and check because I actually have it downloaded and I follow it sort of. I actually it, haven't, haven't listened, listened to yet. a lot of these because I'm horrible. Um, it is Joe Batens and Lori Roggen Roggen Camp. Oh. Yes. I've listened to one or two of their episodes, and it's pretty cool. Um, to me, it makes me think of exactly Race Chaser, but Dragula. So mm-hmm. definitely check it out if you are a listener. Um, then speaking of, Race Chaser with Alaska and Willem. They yeah. do amazing. And then we have The T, which is with T-Rex and, oh, what's her co-host name? Lucky Stiff. They are out of Chicago. Chicago. Yes, Chicago. And they do awesome. So definitely check them out. Um, They interview queens, kind of like how Mason and I do from around the country that come into their place and are doing performances here and there. So definitely check them out. Then we have What About That with Morgan McMichaels out of L.A. They do kind of a similar format. Then we have... Drag cast, which is with Nina West from the most recent season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Pretty I awesome. Just started listening to that one. Wow, you just started listening. Okay, first of all, you just told me about it. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I just found it. it oh, exactly, shady. Yeah, but hey, I've listened to it. Anyways. Uh, they haven't done a lot of episodes recently, but that's because Nina has been crazy busy and on tour everywhere so they'll probably have more episodes coming out eventually i think their last episode they did was the week of farm to runway episode so (laughs) um then we have the shangela podcast it's just called shangela so if you're looking up i almost said the shangela show but that's not what it's called um she comes on and she brings lots of different pop culture icons and celebrities to come in and talk and do stuff so that one's yes. really cool they started with the game uh, of thrones yeah. podcast actually it did yep she started doing I, like 
recaps of Game of Thrones and stuff. But, you know, that's gone now, so not anymore. Sad day. Anyways, it's a great podcast. I enjoy it. Uh, Let's see. We have Whimsically Vault. I cannot talk. Boy. Whimsically Volatile. There we go. And that one is with Katya and... I don't know. It's Craig something. Yeah, his first name's Craig. But they do awesome stuff. They talk about all types of events and bring in several celebrities as well. Um, Then we have... Gotta give a shout out to it, the official RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. Not as fun as Race Chaser to me, but it's still a really good podcast with a lot of great interviews and reunions on the show. So definitely check it out. You'll get to hear a lot from the Ru Girls as they come on. Um, but I think that's all I have on here. Pandora Box does have an old podcast. It's not active anymore. It was called The Pandora Box Show. It's still on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. So if you want to go back and listen to it, definitely give that a listen. Um, But sadly, it is not active anymore. I think there were 78 episodes. But definitely check that out. She's been talking about restarting a new podcast, but has not done it yet, I don't think. But anyways, check that out. And I think that's all we have for the news today. Unless Mason has something. I don't have anything now. Alrighty. Well, we are going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have our special guest, Dinah Fire, from season two of Camp Wanakiki, which is starting yeah. in a couple of weeks. So make sure you subscribe to Camp Wanakiki on YouTube and also Diana Fire's social media and everything. We'll have that linked in the episode description below, but definitely check that out. And we'll be right back after this. Bye. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Don't Be a Drag. My name is Patrick Yim. And as I said in our last segment, we have a very special guest all the way from Portland, Oregon, we have Miss Diana Fire here. Uh, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her drag and what it is that she does, and just a little bit about some things in the community. So, thank you so much, Diana, for coming on and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, excited to do this with you. My name is Diana Fire. I am Portland, Oregon's Daddy Bear Drag Queen. I am 33 years old, and I've been doing all of this drag nonsense for about five years now. So what first got you involved in the drag community? So I kind of always grew up being a performer. I was a theater kid in middle school and high school. Then I was on high school dance team, and I taught dance professionally for a while in my 20s. Um, And then, you know, had to be an adult and do all the real-life stuff, so kind of that all moved to the back burner. And then while I was living in Austin, I actually got involved with a dance company there, and we got booked to be the backup dancer for a drag queen who was competing in a pageant. Uh, and while we were there, I got to know some of the other queens from Austin. And I was talking about just how much fun it looks like to do drag. And you know, I really wish that I could get involved in this, but I'm not willing to shave. And they were like, oh, sweetie, you don't have to. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, bearded drag is a thing. 
So they were going out in face the following night. They offered to, to do my makeup and find me something to wear. And we put together one of the just most uncomfortably busted bearded drag queens <laughs> in existence that night. Because, I mean, these, these two queens had no idea what to do with the beard. They knew bearded drag was a thing, but like, they didn't know what to do with it. The dress was a size too small. It was, it was ridiculous, but it was so much fun. And that sort of kicked off my, my love for drag and just my awareness that, that bearded drag was even a valid option. Yeah, a lot of people around here don't really see bearded queens, just because I guess it's not that prevalent in certain areas down here in the South, but um, I have started seeing it a lot more, which I think is really cool because it's a different piece of the art form, just not something you would normally see in these areas, and now it's popping up and becoming more active. I think we have one or two in the Birmingham, Alabama area, and I think it's amazing. I think it's really cool because, one, just the things that you can do with beards is just really cool. And I love seeing that. So why why did you not want to get rid of the beard when you were starting? Like, was it just because you personally like your beard or is it because you just wanted, you wanted to be more different? Yeah, no, I mean, I... <laughs> I was an early bloomer. I had my little like peach fuzz goatee growing in in sixth grade. Uh, so you know I was teased a lot. Uh, you know I was called goat boy. It was ridiculous. You know kids will find anything to be mean about. But then you know getting into high school and then you know young adulthood and having you know the full beard grow in it was it was definitely something that I I embraced. Uh, so it's been something that's been part of me for a, a majority of my life at this point. Um, so it's it's not, you know, I have a couple of pictures of me without a beard, and it's it's not pretty. I won't be sharing those <laughs> with anybody. Uh, so my, my beard is definitely a, an important part of my my day to day aesthetic. So you know, I wouldn't I didn't want to get rid of it just for the sake of doing drag. Um, so then you know after learning that it was a, a valid option, I started wanting to explore how to turn it into a, a kick ass option. Now, have you had to deal with any extra struggles by making that choice and performing in that style? Oh, absolutely. When I first got started, especially getting started in Texas, you know, a lot of a lot of the queens around me were, you know, former pageant winners, and, and they were just absolutely gorgeous. So the concept of bearded drag wasn't something that everybody embraced uh, who I was around. And mm -hmm. I remember a couple times being told things like, you know, well, yeah, once once you decide to get serious about drag, you'll shave the beard. Um, and that kind of that kind of lit a fire in me to prove those people wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and even still, I get comments, you know, after I'll perform, things like that. People say, you know, I never liked bearded drag until I watched you perform. And I, I, I get where it's coming from. It's meant to be a compliment, but it's also not at the same time. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it, it's kind of like when we hear people say, oh, I didn't really like gay people until I met you. Because yeah, I've heard that I, one, and it's just, it's a not a, the best. Yeah, like, I'm thankful that, that, you know, 
you've opened your mind and you embrace something different, but you know, why, why, why do we need to lead with the fact that you had this negative preconceived notion about me? So you said that you started out in Texas. What made you want to move and move so far to Portland? Uh, I actually grew up here. So Oregon is home for me. I was born about an hour south of, of Portland. I grew up here. Um, you know, Texas was, was great in a number of ways, but man, it is not as pretty as Oregon is. And I came back just, you know, sort of on, on vacation, uh, and just sort of refell in love with Portland. I was like, you know what? I think my Texas chapter is done. It's time to, time to move back home. And now in Portland, if I'm not mistaken, don't you host your own show up there? I do, yeah. Uh, Autumn Rains Hart and I both co-produce and co-host Not Another Drag Show. What What is that? Because I kind of know those type of things because I've been following you for a little while. But for those out there who are listening who only see things like RuPaul's Drag Race, what would be the best way to like explain that? It's a drag variety show. So it's it's a drag show that we produce ourselves, we fund it ourselves, you know, we are paying the performers ourselves. Um, so it's a, a completely self-run operation. Uh, and we, you know, Autumn and I are the hosts. We're there every week. We have our cast that's there uh, every week as well. And then we also have rotated guests. So we hire, you know, local uh, drag performers and uh, give them an opportunity to, to you know, come showcase their talents and, and get more stage time. Now, I know you were, you yourself were having some issues recently with being able to get to the show. What was going on there? So, yeah, I, I also have a pretty active day job that gives me a lot of flexibility. You know, I work from home, but I also travel a lot. Uh, and over the past six weeks, between other drag bookings and projects that I was working on and then three different work trips, I have not actually been at my own show in a month and a half. <laughs> I bet your co-host is loving you with that. You know, she is doing a great job. Autumn is running a very tight ship. Uh, everything's going smoothly. So I, I'm glad that I have a good partner crying to help out when these things happen. Now, speaking of those people who are there for you and who help us out so much, who are some people either in your life or in the drag community that you've experienced that have been a really big help to you either figuring yourself out or helping you better understand uh, this crazy thing we call life? You know, it's it's interesting that you know, the, the community seems so broken up into all these sort of micro segments, these micro communities. Um, so I, while I, I know a lot of performers, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily close to, to many. Mm -hmm. um, as far as performers go, I would say one, one person who definitely played a big role in my development was Honey Bee Hart. Um, she is one of the hosts of the Superstar Divas Mega Show. Uh, at CC Slaughters here in Portland. She also used to host a weekly show at the Embers Avenue back when it was open. Uh, and she was one of the first ones that, that you know, embraced what I was doing when I moved back to Portland, gave me a cast spot immediately, uh, and gave me an opportunity to, to really explore my drag and 
you know, figure out what works and what doesn't and never put any sort of creative limits uh, on anything that I did. So she's definitely been a, a huge inspiration of mine. Um, and then outside of the community, you know, my husband is absolutely the, the best support system um, I could ever ask for between him, my brother and, you know, my, my two best friends. Uh, I have an amazing network of support uh, you know, for things drag related and not drag related. I want to talk about something that you stated when you and I were messaging uh, in the past. You were telling me about a performance that you did where you actually incorporated ASL with your performance. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that and what kind of brought this on. Yeah, so when I was in college, uh, one semester I needed uh, to I needed to find an elective to take, and uh, a girl that lived on the floor below me in the dorm, who became uh, one of my best friends, you know, during college, she had recommended she had just taken an ASL class. She was like, you know, with your performance background and all that, like it feels a lot like learning choreography. Like I think it'd be something that you'd like. Uh, so I took it randomly and totally fell in love with it, uh, but then never really had a reason to, to use ASL for anything mm-hmm. uh, until I moved to Seattle and I got into a relationship with a deaf guy. Uh, and then I was very heavily immersed in the deaf community for a number of years. Uh, so I started practicing a lot really quick. <laughs> um and, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, became conversationally fluent. Uh, it was just sort of a, a normal part of my everyday life. So after, you know, after that sort of dissolved and I moved away, um, I sort of went back to not really using ASL much. And then when I got into drag, um, just started going back to my roots of I used to practice signing songs in the car just to like practice my vocabulary, uh, you know, fill in the blanks. I don't know that word. Go look that up. Um, so I kind of started getting back into that again. And uh, after I started incorporating ASL into a couple of numbers, uh, I started noticing that I would, I would get these sort of additional uh, connections to people in the audience. You know, there would often be somebody who comes up who is also an ASL student or they're the child of deaf adults or a couple times I've even met, you know, deaf people who were, you know, in the bar at the time or who were, you know, at five while I was performing, something like that. Uh, so it's really been an amazing way to, to connect with people on an additional level you know, through my art. Um, and it's even afforded me the opportunity to go do a show up in Seattle uh, that was called Speechless. And the whole the whole point of the entire show was it was supposed to be targeted toward the deaf community. Uh, and so we weren't allowed to do any songs that had lyrics in them. There was no lip syncing. Everything had to be some sort of like a visual performance. It was such a cool experience. Something I've noticed uh, recently is that a lot, since you were talking about Pride, a lot of people have started incorporating um, interpreters and deaf interpreters into their Pride performances so that way they can help connect with that part of the community, as you said y'all were trying to do. Why do you think it's so important that we make sure to extend this arm to not even just the deaf community, but people who are dealing with disabilities and other things at these type of functions no i mean that's that's an important question and 
you know, something that we, we always need to be keeping in mind is, you know, accessibility and also intersectionality. You know, there's so much about the LGBTQ community, uh, you know, that we, we share a lot of experiences, um, you know, just, just in the things that we go through and the, the, you know, situations that we have to deal with. But then there's also a lot of intersections with, you know, disabilities, with, you know, physical disabilities, with hearing loss, with racial issues, with, you know, feminism. There are just all of these other, uh, you know, all of these other channels through which LGBTQ intersects that, that we need to not only be aware of, but we also need to be embracing. What are some things that you think we could do to kind of help improve those relations and that part of our community? Yeah, including more, you know, including more people from more points of intersection to have an active voice in conversations. You know, having you know more variety in the performers that you're booking for a show. Asking people from some of you know these these intersected communities their opinions on things and what they would like to see, and you know, getting their feedback on how something can be improved. Uh, you know, just listening to each other, I think, is, is the biggest thing. We're, we're very quick to sort of defend our own viewpoints, no matter who we are, um, that a lot of times, just as people, we forget to, to stop and listen to someone else's perspective and, and acknowledge, like, yes, that's a different perspective than mine, and you have it for, you know, some reason. So let's, you know, help me understand that. Now, do you have any more um, things that you guys are working on for this and for any of these performances or shows that y'all typically do up in your area? Um, you know, there, there's, there's always more that any of us can be doing. Um, but you know, we, we have an ADA, uh, compliant venue. Um, you know, I, you know, as someone who can sign, if we have deaf audience members, you know, I sort of have an on-hand interpreter available. You know, we, you know, try to make a point to not, be always booking and you know all white, all cisgendered male uh, lineup every week. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of keeping an eye on those things whenever possible. Since you have been doing drag for a good few years now, what is something? And this doesn't even have to be just drag related, but what's something in the community or someone in the community who's you think has done a really good job of helping? what's the word for it helping um to elevate us and show us outwardly into the i guess the the world and the country especially with everything that's going on right now you know portland portland has a lot of that actually um i don't know how familiar you familiar you are with the imperial court system um but you know started in san francisco uh really with the the mo to support you know local charities in the local community uh and and use drag essentially to do that uh so portland is actually the oldest chapter in the country uh after san francisco if i recall correctly so the rose court here has a, a very long history of uh you know monarchs and line members and community you know activists who have been part of the organization uh, so we definitely have a lot of it i would i would particularly call out uh, you know, the current Rose Empress, uh, Kimberly Michelle Westwood, and the current reigning Miss Sweetheart, Sativa 
I can't say her full name on this probably, so Sativa Jones. Um, she, the two of them both are, are definitely using their platforms and using their visibility uh, and to do everything that they can whenever they can. Uh, you know, they definitely have, have their hands in a lot of cookie jars and they keep themselves super busy. Um, but it's great to see them both, you know, really being out there and being a, an active part of the community and, and you know, trying to lead us. I think it's actually kind of funny that you mentioned the imperial court system because literally just two days ago was the first time that I had ever heard about what that was and what it was that people involved with that do. And I thought it was really cool that so many people across the country are getting together and using drag for that type of aspect. Now, for for those who don't know, can you give them a little bit of information on kind of, what, other than like, obviously it's a supportive group, but what it is that they are, like who they are? Yeah, so most of the major cities in the country and, and in North America, there's some in, in Canada and Mexico as well, um, you know, a lot of the major cities have their own chapters, uh, and they will basically put on a series of fundraising events through the year, typically to raise money for local charities, and a lot of the time those are uh, LGBTQ charities, um, you know, sometimes they're uh, you know, women's resource centers and things like that. Um, so, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different beneficiaries. You know, depending on on the city and what uh, you know, what nonprofits are in the area that sort of need additional support. Uh, so, on a basic level, you know, we, they they put on drag shows throughout the year. Those tend to be kind of the primary uh, source of fundraising for uh, all of these charities. Uh, each court will elect an emperor and an empress to reign for the year uh and so each of them will have you know lavish coronations where you know everybody will have campaigned for a couple months ahead of that who wanted to run for the monarch titles uh everybody will have voted in the area uh, who's eligible to and then at this coronation they crown the next emperor and empress for for the next season and so they're sort of the the figureheads they're going to all of the events um, you know, they're, they're going out and being visible and supporting the community uh, while also sort of coordinating and arranging and running all of these fundraisers throughout the year. And all of the money that all of these uh, courts raise go back into the community through donations to these charities that they work with. Now, the Imperial Court System, um, is this something that you have to be a drag performer to be able to get involved with? Or can anybody get involved no so anybody can get involved um there is typically both a male and a female line uh and anybody can choose which line it is they want to be on so if you you know are doing you know if you are female presenting whether that's through drag or you're you know that's how you identify or that's just the side you want to be on um you know you you sort of decide which which line you're in um and you know that's you know, that sort of determines, like, are you doing all the scenes in drag? Are you, you know, not a performer? Maybe you only want to work, you know, on the board or behind the scenes and do administrative things. So there, there are a lot of different ways to help. Um, so just because, uh, you know, a, a bulk of the fundraising is done through, you know, shows and performances, uh, it doesn't all have to be drag queens. Since they do a lot of work, I know they're, 
really big inspirations for people out in the communities. Who are some inspirations to yourself, both in the community and outside? Inspirations. I mean, I've already talked about Honey Bee Heart. She, she's really probably the biggest one um, that I have. I don't know. I, I, would, I, I think other bearded queens that are, that are out there really you know, killing the game are probably my, my biggest inspiration. Uh, you know, I immediately think of, of queens like Ursula Major and Lucy Stuhl, who, you know, they're they're not drag race queens, you know, mm-hmm. but they're still, you know, really well known. They're doing really amazing drag. You know, they have platforms, they use them. Um, you know, I, I definitely say that's a huge inspiration to me. You said that other bearded queens have really been inspiring as well. Where is somewhere that you would like to see your drag go as a bearded queen yourself? Um, actually, my I would say that my drag has already gone way farther than I ever would have dreamed. You know, this started out as a side hobby because I like performing uh, and, and you know sort of wanted something fun to do, and it's definitely taken off from there. Um, you know, uh, there's definitely a shortage of bearded drag queens being represented on reality shows mm-hmm. so that's that's definitely a place where uh you know there's some opportunity for uh, breaking into that scene and hopefully you'll be seeing some of that soon i guess um one of the last things i want to ask before we head out is what would you consider um, as something that's really important to the LGBT community? I know we've talked about accessibility at our events and our venues, but what is something that you think our entire community should be focusing on to help better ourselves um, as well as others? I think overall our, you know, the, the queer alphabet, if you will, needs, we all could, could stand to, embrace the things about us that make us unique and different from each other mm-hmm. and then also take that same energy and embrace the things that make the rest of the people in our queer alphabet unique and different from us um you know i think the the fact that we have you know all of this vocabulary to describe you know our our gender identities and expressions and sexualities is fantastic and it's great that people have these identities now that they can they can express themselves through but we need to not get caught up in letting that make us all so different from each other that we forget to also support each other we need to be celebrating each other and our differences uh and you know there's there's just too much of the you know sort of the the cis gays you know kind of only caring about the, the LGB in the alphabet and, and saying that the rest doesn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we are all part of the same big queer alphabet. We all need to, to you know, look across the aisle at, at our fellow queers and, you know, embrace and celebrate each other. Now, if somebody would like to get out and contact you or get in touch with you about either just your performance or maybe they want to find out more about some of the stuff you talked about, where can they find you? Yeah, I am on Facebook, Diana Fire. I have both a profile and a page. Uh, you can find it under Go Diana Fire or under Daddy Bear Drag Queen. I'm also on Instagram uh, under Go Diana Fire. Awesome. So, guys, make sure to go check 
Miss Diana out and see all the awesome things that they and their fellow Portland Queens and Kings are doing out there. And we'll hope to see you next time when we come back. We're going to have another special guest. And with that, just remember, don't be a drag. Just be as queer as you want to be. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode with myself and Mason and our special guest, Diana Fire. Make sure to catch her on season two of Camp Wanakiki upcoming in the next few weeks. Uh, we are going to be posting the links to Camp Wanakiki as well as all of Diane Fire's social media in the description below. Uh, we also have our own social media that you should check out, which Mason has for you. So if you want to check us out on our social medias, make sure you find us on Facebook at Don't Be a Drag. Is the 91.9 still at the end of it? No. Okay, so just Don't Be a Drag on Facebook. Um, from there, go over to the Instagram, since it's also owned by Facebook. Search up DBAD underscore podcast. Follow us on the Instagram. Then hop on over to Twitter, because I know you got all these on your phone. And follow us on Twitter at DBAD underscore podcast. That account is pretty new. But we'll be posting all our stuff on there as well as Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Actually, kind of funny. We had to start this because we were having issues with Facebook this past week. Ugh. Such a struggle. We don't know if somebody reported the page or if somebody, like, or what happened. But all of a sudden, our page got blocked and then it got unpublished and then they started deleting it. Oh, it was terrifying, and no one from Facebook would answer us, but that's actually how we made the Twitter, because we were like, you know what, Facebook, goodbye. And then after we made the Twitter, they gave it back to us. <laughs> Praise. But, yeah, so definitely check out all the social medias. They will be linked below in the description. And with that, that is the end of this week's episode, and as Miss Diana said, just remember, don't be a drag. Just be as queer as you want to be.